0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. This morning. I love you, buddy. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. something that pastor left out was that tritton preached the gospel he spoke from song of solomon on wednesday night to the kids and for a lot of people in our in our city and in our region the book of song of solomon in the passion translation is foreign it's like a whole another language speaking of the bridegroom king and how he loves on the bride amen and so, Trenton spoke from that, and just the whole night was about the love of the Lord, the love of the Father, was just being released in that place. And there was about 250 kids that had gathered in the in the theater there for uh, for for this worship night that the Pastor just showed you, and um wow, man. And so <laughs> and so at the end, I asked Trenton, I said, buddy, let me hold that microphone. He had just proclaimed the gospel. I said, let me hold that mic. And I felt like the kids were just, their hearts were burning. You know what I mean? I felt like that they just wanted somebody to give them the opportunity to respond. So I came up at the end. This is at our public high school. And so I came up at the end after Trenton finished sharing. And I said, if, if he's talking to you and you feel like this whole night has just, God's just been doing something on the inside of you, man. I want you, when I count to three, I want you to, lift your hand. Guys, these are youth group kids. These are kids that have probably grown up in church, but the Holy Spirit was doing something on the inside of them. And so when so when I said that, Trenton and I and the team and Hannah and the team, they were leading and we had Jonathan playing the drums. We were doing reckless love. We were just proclaiming the love of the Father, man. And when we did that, I said if this is you and this is who I'm talking to and you're who I'm talking to, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and just say, God, I surrender my life to you. I say yes to Jesus, even if I've been away from you, God. I say yes to you all over again. I said one, two, three, and 70 hands, 80 hands went up by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's something to shout about. Come on. 60 or plus had to have been said yes to Jesus, either for the first time or just gave their lives back to him. So I just want to honor um, Pastor, is my apostle, my first lady, as my friend Elijah Curtis would say. He would say the flower and the fragrance of our house. And so, so many times the first lady gets unnoticed, but she's the one working behind the scenes. And when he's discouraged, Miss Cat's the one that just comes and blows the fresh wind upon him. So we honor both of them and their family. So let's just, why don't you just grab the hand of the person sitting next to you. We're going to pray. And I got a little bit of time here, and so I do feel like I have a word from the Lord and my spirit is just really broken. It's been broken all week. Every time that I've been with the Lord, I've just been weeping. And um, I know that this word came from heaven because the way that Matt and the team just admonished us this morning, I feel like the, I feel like God came in and just re-identified who we are in Christ and then the joy of the Lord comes in. Come on, how many of you know that when we know who we are and we know that we belong, that we are children of God, that's when we begin to walk in the fullness of our destiny. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, God, I thank you for the joy that's in the room this morning, Lord. Amanda, if you'll begin to play. Holy Spirit, I just ask you just to come, Father, in a greater measure. I ask you to manifest your power in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would use me as your vessel. I am the instrument, God, that you are just simply playing. Play me to whatever tune that you would have to pray. God, I thank you from hand to hand and from person to person. Holy Ghost, you are moving in our midst right now. You are the miracle worker, way maker, promise keeper, the light in the darkness. We proclaim that you are good and you will be good always in Jesus mighty name. And we said together, amen. I know this is a little bit different, but I want Tara just to sing, even if it's the first verse and of this chorus, I just want us to just give worship to the Lord this morning before I sing this. This song has been rolling over in me and I shot it to Amanda and Tara and I said, I want you guys to sing this song this morning. And um, man, I just feel like the Lord is really doing something in our midst. And so... The seven churches, where the angel of the Lord appears to the seven churches in the book of the Re- in the book of Revelation, and each single chapter, guys, it says this in the Passion translation. It says, "He that has an ear to hear." Let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying presently. Let him hear what he's saying right now. And, and I've got it underlined in my Bible where it says every single time, let me tell you something, I don't claim to have all the answers, but one thing that I do know is that God is sustaining and establishing a move of the Holy Spirit. He is establishing family. Identification is being revealed to to His people. Authenticity, it's going to look a little different and it might sound different than what you're used to, but I'm telling you, friend, let you just begin to ask the Lord from this moment forward God I want to see what you're doing God give me eyes to see it give me ears to hear it that's what Bartimaeus cried out God I want to see and it was when he lifted his voice and didn't care about who was around him that he pressed past the crowd and God gave him his breakthrough so this morning, let's sing that guys I know this may feel a little weird just just close your eyes right now even if you just want to open your arms I sense that the joy of the Lord is here this morning so let's just sing to him come on Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Pull her vocal up. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. We honor you. Thank you. Come on, if you know it, know it. Let's sing along corporately. Come on, Jesus. Like honey. On my lips. Thank you. Your spirit like water to my soul. Yes, Lord. Your word is a and to my feet. Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. Your name is light. Come on. All about you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you. Exalted, Lord? Jesus. One more time, your name is like your name is like Come on. We love you, Lord. Your spirit like water to my soul. Jesus. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, Jesus I love you. We love you. I love, love. you. Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Love you, Lord. Jesus I love you. I love you Lord. Your burden you. is light, God. Jesus I love, you, I love, you, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. We don't want to just say, God, that we gather for you, but we want our lives to line up with what our mouth says. Because faith without works is dead. So God, we don't want to just three, sing three songs, preach a good word, go eat chicken and go home. God, if you want to interrupt everything, we yield to that, Lord. We honor your presence. The main attraction. What we come to see and behold. Father, we're not going to be doing much preaching in heaven for the rest of eternity. We're going to be beholding the face of the bridegroom king. We're going to be gazing on the beauty, as David said in Psalm 91, that one thing that I desire, and that is to seek after my soul, pants after you, God. My soul longs for you, God, as Paul says, Father, we, 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 we just want to be near you, God. We want to be close to you, Father. So we reach up and grab that that is with, with that what is within arm's reach this morning, and that is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is with hand. Who art in heaven, God? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We exalt you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amanda, that's good. Thank you. We may come back and do something at the end. I'm not going to preach long today. I want to speak for a moment to you guys off from the subject of the title of Mask Off taking the mask off. And if I could pick a subtitle for it, it would be reidentification and unveiling. Reidentification and unveiling. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 25. We're going to jump right in the middle of this chapter and we'll just see where the Lord takes us. We're eventually going to end up in Romans chapter 8. And so uh, we're just going to kind of go on a little journey. If you've not read the scriptures this week, we're going to do some scripture reading today. Amen. How many of you know that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword? It has the power to change our lives. So in uh, Genesis chapter 25, we're going to examine and just kind of look at the life of Jacob this morning and how God kind of takes him um, just from being just really just a deceiver. And, t- and the, literally, his name means hill grabber, a supplanter, one that deceives or is a trickster. And God re- just totally re- restores his identity and gives him a whole new name. We're going to kind of go on this journey today. And um, I got some stuff that I believe is going to help us. Genesis chapter 25, verse 20. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife. And the daughter of Bethuel the Syrian and the around the sister of Laban and the Syrian. Verse 21, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled to gather within her. Pay close attention there. But the children struggled to gather within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Another translation says that he was like a ruddy man. We know that David was in like stature of that of Esau. He was a, hut, a, a ruddy, handsome, good-looking man of good stature. Verse 26, kind of like, like Pastor, right? Verse 26, afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel play close close attention there this is in divine uh, direct connection to genesis chapter 3 where God is speaking to the serpent and says that the enemy, that the, Lord, that the people, that mankind are going to trample on your head, You're, they're going to bruise your head, but you are going to deceive them and bruise their heel. You're going to try to trip them up. So this is the same connotation here of what that means. And afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob. His name literally means deceiver, trickster, supplanter, right? Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he, he, because he ate of his game. and But Rebekah loved Jacob. Verse 29, I'm almost done here. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. So let's just look up here at me really quick. from the moment that Jacob comes out of the room he immediately is uh, he's immediately identified as someone who's trying to trip up the elder brother we know that Esau came out first we know that he was good looking he was a hairy man so just kind of set up this context for you okay just give you an illustration of what we're talking about this morning then we have Jacob the Bible says that he was a smooth-skinned man probably that of a sensitive heart he had a sensitive nature but he was simply not grounded and rooted in who he was in Christ So verse 32, and Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what is the birthright to me? What does it matter? Then verse 33, Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. He just gives it to him. Back then, obviously, we know that the first, the birthright was a big deal. Isaac being the son of Abraham, we know that Abraham was the father, that all of the descendants were blessed, his people were blessed, all that came all that came from Abraham and of the lineage were blessed. So we know that Jacob was very concerned about getting the birthright. So he goes after the birthright and Esau gives it to him. This is where We get the story and the kind of the play on words and the pun that your mamas and daddies kind of told you when you were growing up. Don't sell your birthright for a bowl of beans. But I don't necessarily want to focus on the life of Esau this morning. I kind of want to look at the life of Jacob. So then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Lentils, yeah, I believe I'm saying that right. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor. And then he ate and drank a rose and went his way. And then Esau despised Esau. His birthright. All right, we're going to jump over. So now we have this set up, okay? Now we see Israel, and now we have. Now we have Isaac and Rebekah, Isaac and Rebekah, they have, they have Jacob and Esau, Esau being the first the born, they come out together, the scripture says very plainly that they struggled in the womb of Rebekah, so we know that there's this internal battling going on on the inside of Rebekah, and she goes and she acquires of the Lord, and she says, Lord, why is it that this is going on on the inside of me? And the Lord speaks back to her and says, because there's two nations that are shut up in your womb, from the very time then, after that, a couple verses down, we see that Jacob comes out and He's got the heel of Esau because from the very get go, he's going to try to trip Esau up. He's going to try to steal the birthright. He, Esau was a good-looking man. He was probably he was a skillful hunter. He was confident in who he was. Then we had then we have Jacob, and Jacob's going to try to clip the clip the toes and clip the heels of his older brother Esau because he's not simply secure in who he is. Come on, there's so many there's a, what there is, and I'm going to get into this. It's going to be my first point today. But listen to me. What we have in America is a lack of identity. We don't know who. Who we are. And so what we have is a lot of Jacobs running around and they might be sensitive hearted, but what we have is we have fathers that are trying to duplicate and they're trying to make their sons just like them when in reality they were, ne- they were never made to function like their father was made to function. God has a whole new plan. He has a whole new purpose. And what fathers need to do, what fathers need to do is yield to the son just as I have been able to brought up with my spiritual and biological father being able to say, you know what man, whatever it looks like, I know you look a little different and you've kind of come up a little different but just run just go after the father and so what we need is not counterfeit guys walking around and sons what we need is not mask on and dressing up and trying to be something what we're not but what we need is mature people led by the spirit of God mothers and fathers that can release the spirit of sonship into sons and daughters so that they can function in all that God has for them the joy of the Lord, the peace, come on. The kingdom of God is not eat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But what we end up ha- what we end up walking in and what we end up seeing is that so many sons and daughters walk around captive. Come on. With, with, with They're captive, with their arms tied behind their back, and they can't get free because nobody's willing to look at them. They don't know who they are. They've never had anyone look at them and tell them who they are. So what we have is a bunch of orphans walking around, and an orphan is someone who doesn't have a choice. A slave is someone who's dominated by the person that's above them and literally means that they are subject to do whatever the owner says do. But how many of you know, over 2,000 years ago, come on, Jesus Christ died on a cross, buried a tomb, raised, he took on the sin, he entered into flesh and humanity to prove to you and I, come on, that we can do this thing. He comes up and now Christ not only lives upon us, but he is in us. We have been liberated, friend. We are free from the powers of hell. His blood is sufficient to sustain you and I this morning. Wherever you are, whatever phase of life you're in this morning, know that the blood of Jesus can sustain you. You are his beloved child. In the book of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 3, when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, The very first thing that the father does, boom, is release identity right to him and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we know what Pastor's been teaching us, right? He goes into the wilderness because the Spirit led him there to get tempted by the devil. But oh, the Father had already identified who he was. Jesus already knew who he was. So when he went into the wilderness and the devil began to tempt him, he began to quote Scripture to him and says, Get behind me, thee Satan, because it is written, I know who I am in Christ. So then when he comes out, he comes storming. He comes storming out into the land. Signs, wonders, and miracles. The chief apollos, the chief apostle comes to set up rule and reign on the earth. You and I were never meant to walk around like slaves, friend. You and I were never meant to walk around like orphans as if we don't belong. You have a home this morning. This Bible tells me, come on, this Bible tells me, friend, that my father is a father with many homes, with many rooms inside of his home. And I want you to know that there is your name is already written down in the Lamb's book of life. Come on. You are already, you're already set up for divine purpose. You're already set up, you're already set up for your destiny to be fulfilled, friend. You have a room in that house. It's got your name on it. Jesse, Manny, Miss Katie. Your name is written down. Jesus knows. He knows your story. He knows where you're at to the rising of your morning, to the setting at nighttime. If you ascend into the heavenly, if you make your bed in Sheol, God is with us. That's what Matt was declaring over us this morning. He has never lost a battle. I don't know about you, friend, but when he began to sing that, I began to weep. These big alligator tears because sometimes, man, our heart begins, it kind of just gets calloused. And we forget who we are. And we constantly try to measure up. When in reality, God has already handled that and you've already measured up. You actually don't have to measure up at all. You actually measure up by coming to the realization and the spiritual reality. Listen to me. You actually measure up by coming to the reality that you're already accepted. Romans chapter 8 in the Passion Translation. God has not given you the spirit of fear, of bondage, but your soul cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, he is good. What the other translation says is, my beloved Father. Abba is actually an Aramaic term that literally means dad. So you belong this morning. You've been liberated. Amen? Amen. All right, amen. Let's keep going. All right. So we got Jacob, he's trying to trip the hills out from under Esau. We're going to go on down here, and we are going to read verse, well, that's a lot of scripture. We're going to, we're going to kind of fly through this, okay? As a matter of fact, I'm not going to quote it. You guys just trust that I'm in the Bible. Apostle can trip me up and come up here and call me alive if, if I need to, okay? If I get out of the Bible. So what we have is Isaac, he comes to Esau, and he comes to Jacob, right? He comes to Esau, and he says, Esau, you're a skillful hunter. Take your quiver, take your bow, go out. Okay, go out and kill me some game kill me some wild game bring it back to me and when you bring it back to me I'm going to eat it and I'm an old man I'm an old man my sight has gotten blurry Okay, this is Genesis chapter 27 you can go and read it my sight has gotten blurry and I'm getting ready to go on and be with the Lord so go out go kill me some supper and when you bring it back I'm going to eat it and I'm going to bless you Rebecca overhears he, she overhears the story, right? She overhears her father telling Esau to go out and do this, okay? We know that Jacob, he's, he's after the birthright. He wants to get it. He's not secure in who he is, right? He's a supplanter. He's going to try to trip the hills, right? So he goes, and Jacob, he, he, and he goes to Rebekah, and his mom says, Listen, son your your father he's about to give the birthright over to Esau. And what I want you to do? Because the scripture clearly says that Isaac loved Esau, right? But Rebekah loved Jacob, right? That's what it says. Rebekah loved Jacob. So Rebekah pulls Jacob in and she says, "Son, you, you're, the birthright's about to be given up. So what I want you to do is I want you to get some I want you to get some goat, some 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 animal hair, right? I want you to cover yourself because you're going to cover yourself and make yourself like your older brother, like your brother, because he was a hairy man. And so when you go and you go give the wild game and you go give the supper to your father, he's going to think and he's going to, you're going to play a trick on him and he's going to think that you are the brother. In reality, you're not. So you're going to dress up so that way you can get the blessing. He's going to put his mask on, okay, and he's going to cover himself up. Listen to me. First point right here that we want to make. In the Hebrew, I looked this up. In the Hebrew, this is what we see. In the Old Testament, there was the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant used to be covered by animal skin, literally. They would cover it up with animal skin. How many of you know when we go into the secret place and talk to the Lord in the place of intimacy, there are certain things and there are certain levels of breakthrough and dimensions that we can get to? But listen, you will never get to the Holy of Holies. You will never get to the rivers that are streaming from the throne of living water until you fully operate in true authenticity as a... son and as a daughter you can try to dress up you can try to dot the i and cross the t and do ever but just as the ark was covered by the animal skins and rebecca said listen you got to go and you got to put on the animal skin because you can't go to your father as the as you you can't go to your father as you are because he will recognize you so go and dress up and jacob says well i got to get it so i put it on listen The the times that I live for, this is just me, okay? The times that I live for, man, is when the Holy Spirit whispers into my ear, you are my child. You are my beloved son. I'm proud of you. That's what he was doing over there to me. That's what he was doing. He will do that to certain degrees But the main thing that he will do in the place of intimacy, in the wilderness, is he reveals who you are. He pounds it into your brain. Because listen, what Romans chapter 8 says is, actually it's Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, I don't know what's going on on the inside of me. It's like everything, literally, this is Paul the Apostle. I don't know what's going on on the inside of me. Every time I try to do right, there's something in me that makes me want to go wrong. Then we see over in Romans chapter 8, really what we need to do is read chapter 7 and verse 8 all together. It's actually one big, one big chapter together if you really want to look at it like that. Paul says, I don't know what's going on in this. As, you know, I've, got this I've got this thing that's waging war that every time I want to go left, I, I, something's trying to pull me right. But I know. Listen, ho. But I know. That every time that guilt, shame, depression, fear, anxiety, or whatever it is that you're battling today, friend, it's simply just not who you are. It's not your identity. And when it's there, and when you begin to function in guilt, and you begin to function in shame, listen, listen, this is very important. Sin operates to the degree of the level of guilt that you and I walk in. Guilt and shame go hand in hand. Why? Well, I made a huge mistake and I blew it this week. I stumped my toe, I cussed out the dog, the wife, my wife, the cat, I cussed everybody out and I'm, and so now what that leads us into is the state of guilt that I'm a failure. Especially for us husbands, right? Especially for us dads because we want to be a good provider, we want to be a good husband and those of you I don't have any children yet but those that do have children, you want to be a good dad and so what happens is, is failure begins to creep in and you begin to say, you know what man since I've already blew it one time, I'm just going to keep on blowing it. And what that happens, listen, that's just not, you don't have to believe the lie that that's who you are. When you're operating in guilt, you're just simply not operating in who you're called to be. You're just simply not operating in who you are. This is what God says about you, friend. You are the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. You are above and not beneath. The beginning and the end, because he is the alpha and the omega. I will not be afraid. Come on, the ten thousands of people that set themselves against me round about. Come on. Come on, he is my front guard and my rear guard. If I, Wherever I go, you are there. You are a chosen generation. Come on, somebody. A royal priesthood. That's who you and I are. We are literally heirs of Christ. And if you and I can get this revelation, man, that it's not only Christ upon us, but it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, we'll start walking around like orphans with our heads down, but we'll start extinguishing enough light that somebody will start scratching their head and say, I don't know what's going on with that dentist guy, but he's just got so much joy that whatever's on his life, i got to get some of that. That's what happened to me, that's what happened to Matt, that's what happened to a lot of you in this room. You looked up on a platform or you turned on the television and the Spirit of God was moving and you looked up and you said, whatever's on that person, that's what I've got to have. Or you were were just somewhere with a person and you noticed that there was something different about them. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, right? Verse 1, skip skip verse 2, go to verse 3. In him he is life, and the life was the light of men. The light of men shined forth into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You and I are called to extinguish a degree of light that no darkness can stand. Where God is, there can be no darkness. Light cannot function in the dark. Darkness cannot function in the light. Matt told you this morning, because God, you cannot whisper. The enemy cannot whisper away what he has said in the light. For you are the Lord, the glorious one, the faithful one. This fires me up this morning. I want to listen. If you were here on Wednesday night, I talked about being drunk on hope, man. Let's be drunk on hope. Let's be drunk on hope. What is hope? Hope is you may not see it, but you believe that something good's going to happen. I believe that things are changing. Come on. I believe that things are shifting. I really believe this stuff. And I pray that you do too. But the first thing that we have to be established and rooted in, friend, is that you're a son and that you're a daughter. Okay? So we see this in the life of Jacob. Jacob goes out. Help me, Holy Ghost. Jacob goes out, and he's going, to put on the, he's going to put on the covering, right? He's going to put on the animal skins. He's going to dress up like his brother. He goes because his father Isaac, he, he's weary and he nigh. Can't, he can't recognize who he is. So Jacob goes, and he gives it. He says, bless me now, because I've gone out and I've done what you've asked me to do, and I want your blessing. So go out, and, I want, and, and so go out and kill it. So that's what Rebecca says. Rebecca gives Jacob the command, go, he dresses him up, and now we're off. Okay, so... He goes and he gives the wild game to dad. Dad says, dad releases the blessing. Are you like my firstborn? Because my firstborn is a hairy man. But, you're, but my son Jacob is a smooth-skinned man. So we know that Jacob was dressed up. That's the reason why we're preaching from the topic of mask off today. We want to live a life with no mask. It's not Halloween anymore, friend. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. God calls you righteous. Oh, God calls you lovely. He calls you a holy lover of God. The sun is shining on this company of people this morning, and he is screaming from the rooftops of heaven, You are my son. You are my daughter. And there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from my unfailing, unshakable, and unmovable love. He's good and he'll be good always. His love and his mercy endure forever. It goes on and on forever. All right, so, so, what we see, so, what we see. He's Jacob's dressing up like his brother. Listen, moving on here. 19.7 million children in America do not have an active father in the home. 19.7 million children do not have an active father in the home. One in, That's almost one in every four. We don't have a drug problem. Come on. We don't have a sex problem. We don't have a pornography problem or anything else. What we have is a lack of fathers. What we have is a lack of fathers. and I want to share something personal to you this morning, man. and he's in this room, but listen. God grace me, and I think that's the reason why God allows me to kind of walk in the revelation of His goodness. Because I have a dad who pointed me straight to the Father. We will be sitting around the table, man, as I was, when I was a kid. And this happened to me about a year ago. And we were celebrating Father's Day or a birthday or something. And we, he was reading a card that I had wrote for him. And I was just kind of just telling him how much I loved him and how thankful I was for him. And so he's reading that card. And I, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this down in me. And he said, you see, son? He said, you see, I gave you a father that points you right back to me. That's what fathers are called to do. Not to say, me, 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 turn yourself into me. I want you to be like me. No, I want you to just get as close to the father as you can because he is kind. Come on, he is gentle. He is loving He's always available. Listen, He is holy, friend. God is holy. He's a judge. He is righteous. I think it's like 70-something times that He's a judge. But God the Father, or Jesus Himself, refers to the Father over a hundred times as my beloved Father. So he is holy, friend. Don't get me wrong, okay? He is holy. And God has revealed his holiness to me, and I pray that he has done that to you. He is holy, he is just, and he is righteous. But I want to tell you something today, friend. Listen to me and hear me loud and clear. Just as much as he is holy, and just as much as he is judge, oh, I feel this. He is Abba, he is dad. We have not received the spirit of fear. We are not orphans, but our soul cries out, "Abba, Father!" No matter, no matter, ah, uh, no matter what, what the world may throw at us, when guilt and shame and failure and this thought pattern of just "I'm a nothing," "I'm a no good," "I'm a nobody," "I'll never measure up." The scripture says in Romans chapter eight in the Passion translation in the Passion translation that we have been co crucified with Christ. That's the re- listen water baptism. I'm all off my rocker listen water baptism is not for you to get a little wet and say well I'm saved so I have to do this proclamation thing where everybody has to see that I've been baptized and I shake hands with the preacher and then I go home and now I'm a good person no listen God wants to kill you friend that's what he wants to do pick up your cross and follow me daily so water baptism literally we are buried with Christ do you know that? You and I have been buried with Christ. We were on that cross with Him. We were there with Him. Buried, on, buried in that tomb. And just as He resurrected, you and I resurrected too. We are with Him. Ephesians chapter 2, man. Ephesians chapter 2. We are seated with God in heavenly places. You have a seat at the table. You have a seat. You have a home in Father's house. He is available. He is open. He's never disinterested in what you you have. Listen, I'm just going to go off my notes. Listen to me. David, David had his identity long before he ever got to Goliath. David knew who he was. Why did he know? Why? Because he was on the backfield of the desert giving worship and thanksgiving to God. And as he was giving worship and thanksgiving to God, God was constantly time and time and time again saying, you're my son, you're my son. And he was giving affirmation, you're my son. So then when the lion came, come on, when the bear came, when Goliath came, he knew that he was a son and his father was going to fight for him. The battle is not mine, but the battle belongs to the Lord. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh you. Come on, it will not come near you. So what we have is a lot of sons, and we have a lot of daughters that grow up with no identity. They don't know who they are. Gavin and I are mentoring two young men right now. There's six of them piled in one home. Four children are sleeping on the bed. Father is absent. He's not there. So what Cornerstone's going to do is we're going to put a bed in their home. And we're going to love them. We're going to tell them that you know what? That you know what? You are accepted. And I know that you may not have received the affirmation from your biological father. But we're going to give it to you. I'm sitting at Maury's with my wife on Friday night. She likes sushi. I don't like sushi. We're sitting at Maury's. I don't know who likes raw tuna. If you do, God bless you. I'm sure that there's a place in heaven for you too but so we're sitting there she's eating sushi we're talking you know things are busy we don't get to talk much so when we do get to do that i look forward to it so we're talking and my phone rings cleveland it's jamarion jamarion's calling me and it's tay he said hey pastor stan i said hey buddy is everything okay he said yeah he said this tay i said what's up tay you good he said, "Yeah, man, I'm good." He said, "But I just wanted to tell you, I passed my social studies test." I said, "I said, well, I don't believe you." I said, "I don't believe you." I said, "Take a picture of it. I'm gonna show Miss Abby." He took a picture of it. Joker made a hundred and eighty-five. We were concerned that he wasn't going to get to go into the eighth grade, but we took him to the movies last Sunday and me and Gavin started talking to him. We said, Buddy, you're going to have to study now or you're going to have to repeat the seventh grade. Joker goes into his room, he starts to study, and he goes and he makes 100 on the test. All because little old me decided to believe in big old Tay. Come on, man. Come on. Comparison, comparison, comparison. Well, how many likes do I have? Well, who commented on my picture? It's the world that we live in, friend. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter will be the death of sons and daughters. When God came, when God came to the earth, he came preaching this message as John the Baptist did. Per- repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means to change the way that you think. If you and I are not, are not ever going to decide to change the way that we think, we'll live within arm's reach of all that God has for us. We'll live, we'll live just as close as that chair right there, but we'll never fully lay hold, like Paul talks about, we'll never fully lay hold of being not conformed by this world, come on, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. We'll never, we'll never fully walk in the destiny. And my destiny is that I'm a son. I belong. I've got a home. What happens at home? What happens at home? Those of you that were, being, that were fortunate enough to be raised in a home with a loving mother and a loving father or grandma or whoever. If you were fortunate enough to live in that home, you felt safe. As pastor tells us, he's not going to tell Grant, John, Bentley, and Asher that they can't go in the fridge and get what they want. They just know to go in there and get the fat, juicy steak if they want it. Why? Because dad's already handled that. And I've got news for you. Some Listen, man, I came by Cornerstone this morning to just tell you, listen to this skinny boy, listen. I came by Cornerstone to tell you this morning, friend, you belong. You Listen, and I also came to talk to some people that got a story. Pastor Jamie Tuttle, when he came, the first thing that he looked at, He said this, I sense that you've got a story. I sense I sense that you've got a story. God rescued you from a lot of junk. Did He not rescue us? He rescued the both of us. And now, oh, and now I have the highest honor, man. I have the highest honor of getting to stand before God's people and preach this glorious gospel. A guy who was bound, a guy who was a drunk, a guy who was cussing every other breath, man. God totally reformed me. He transformed me from the inside out. Because we must go internal. Internal must proceed external. God always sees the heart. Blessed are the pure in hearted. Blessed are the pure hearted for they shall see God. The book of Psalms literally says that those who are pure and hearted, who who walk in purity, right? Those who walk in purity because God created me clean hands and a clean heart that I might ascend into the hill of the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my ways, right? So God's not only considered about us drawing near, but he wants us to live lives of purity, right? So literally the book of Psalms says this. It says that those that function with pure hearts, man, they are friends of the king. They get to be friends with the king. The book of Exodus says that Moses spoke to God as God spoke to his friend. And I believe I've got some friends of God in this room. Come on. You might. Have a story, and I know that if we if the pastor gave the mic to each and every one of you, they would you would be able to say, God, I was dead and now I'm alive. I was broken and now I'm put back together. But because God and his goodness and his mercy that continuously chases me down, I don't have all the language and I don't have the proper theology for it, but I know now that I'm made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. You've got a testimony to tell. Every one of you should be able to tell your story in three minutes. And it's simply this. I was here. God met me, and now I'm here. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God. You are set up for success. You are not losing. You are winning. The scoreboard is in your favor. Things are not getting worse. They're getting better. You don't have to be like Jacob and try to deceive everybody and be somebody that you're not. If you're sensitive, be sensitive. If you're weird, be weird. If you're creative, be creative. God loves you, and He made you in His image, in the image and likeness He made you. Like He made it. He made it. And so, what we have is this life of comparison, comparison. I find it so odd that Jacob, over in verse thirty-two, over in chapter thirty-two. He doesn't know who he is. And then in the Bible that you gave me, literally when I look down there, it says that Jacob went through a lot of spiritual growth. And when he got to this place, he wrestles with God. He wrestled with God, didn't he, Steve? And when he wrestled with God, the angel of the Lord popped his his hip out of socket. And the scripture says that he walked with a limp. Listen, the wilderness is where the angel pops us on the hip. And we might come out of the wilderness with a little bit of a limp. We might come out of the wilderness and we might be walking a little different, but you go in as Jacob and you come out as Israel. When you come out on the other side of the wilderness, the grass is greener, friend. He re-identifies you. That's what we need. What apostles have been teaching us, that's why we need it. Because God, in the place of intimacy, when it's you and him, he gives us identity. So that way, we can do what Romans 8 says. And what Romans 8 says this in the Passion, it says this. All of creation, oh, all of creation is eagerly, expecting the manifestation and the unveiling of the sons of God. And I want to blow your theology up a little bit right here. Listen to me. I want to just tell you this. It does not say that all of creation, it does not say, man, that all of creation is eagerly waiting for the manifestation of Jesus. What it says is that all of creation is longing For the sons of God to be revealed and unveiled. How God gets His plan done in the earth is He co-labors with you and I. He co-labors with you and I. We partner together and then the kingdoms of this world becomes the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. How will the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters do cover the sea? It's through you and I. It's through sons and daughters extinguishing enough light. We might walk with a limp because we've been through some things. And I know that I'm talking to some misfits in this room, man. I know that you've all, you've all, you've been a different one. You know what it's like to be at the ball game like I do, man. You know what it's like for the people that you used to run with to see and say, "You know what? Man, wasn't that the guy that I was drinking with just like 5 years ago? Isn't that him? Come on." But the but he he ah, he who knew no sin. Became sin that I through him might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That's what happened to you and I. We've been liberated this morning. You don't have to be Jacob. You can be you. Do you believe that this morning? So we have the wilderness. We have Jacob. He's a hill he's a grabber. He's a supplanter. He's going to try to get the birthright. Then we move on into Genesis chapter 27. He's still not functioning in his identity. He's still trying to get his father's blessing. He dresses up as the, as, as, in the goat skin, right, in the animal skin. And then he goes on into verse 32. Ho! Oh. And the scripture says, that he wrestles with God. How many of you can say this, that constantly I feel like I have an internal battle that's going on on the inside of me. I feel like I'm constantly always trying to measure up and I'm I'm always trying to do that. The only place that you're going to be able to get rid of that is in the place where it's just you and God. God will do some things in corporate settings, but just as pastor teaches us, I would never, I would never substitute the corporate for the private. Because what God tells me in private is, son, I know that you blew it 24 hours ago, but I'm still chasing you down. I'm still pursuing you. Because that's my story, you see? That's my story. That's, that's, that's my story to tell. And I'll shout it from the rooftops, man. Listen, the Apostle Paul was not always Paul. He was Saul. Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus uses the same man that the Scripture says followed him at a distance. He knew that he was going to deny him. He uses the same man that denied Jesus, that denied him, to stand up at the Pentecostal headquarters in Acts chapter 2 and proclaim the name of the Lord. Then the men say, what must I do to be saved? These men are not drunk, as I suppose. We're drunk on new wine, right? Peter used that man for the kingdom. The apostle Paul was Saul at one time. Saul was persecuting Christians and all types of negative stuff surrounding him. He has the the encounter on the road to Damascus... God comes down like a laser beam, boom, gives him a new identification. Now he's functioning as the Apostle Paul, which some scholars would believe, and probably all of us in this room, that he is one of the greatest, maybe the greatest, men of God and disciple, apostle of Jesus Christ to ever walk the earth. But the Apostle Paul was not always Paul. He was Saul at a time. So although we're moving forward in glory, let me and you and I, come on, let the sons and daughters of God never forget what happened back then. I know that the latter will be greater than the former, but don't forget what God brought you through. Come on, because the same God that brought you through that will provide the ram ram in the thicket on the next day. If he came through for you one time, he'll come through again. All of creation, Mr. Emmett, is waiting for the unveiling of the sons of God. Not only the earth, But the universe, the universe is a lot bigger than just the world. So literally that tells me that since Adam fell in the garden, sin, the pastor teaches us this, how many sins do you have to commit? Zero. You entered into humanity being and having a sinful nature. So at that point, creation is cursed. And what creation needs, because I, I look at this stuff, it interests me why does everyone say that the world is just getting worse and worse and worse. It interests me because I want to believe, and I have this thought in my brain, that you know what? i got to refuse to believe that. Because if I wake up every single day believing that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, then what kind of hope do I have? If I'm a son and daughter of God and I'm supposed to extinguish, extinguish light, but I believe that the world is getting worse, how do I even wake up in the morning time, friend? So I have to wake up and know that I have a hope. I have a future. I have a destiny. And all of creation is waiting for me to be about my father's business. All of creation needs Stanton. It needs Kathy. It needs Larry. It needs Kayla. Come on. All of the earth, earth is, is longing with travail the same way in Romans chapter 8 where it says that sometimes, Miss Katie, we don't know how to pray as we all, but the Spirit itself makes intercession in us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Those same groanings that are alive on the inside of you and I that are reaching out for our Father on the inside of us is the same way that creation is longing for you to come forth into your day. Destiny. Do you believe that, friend? All right, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Listen, I find it so crazy that Jacob was the one that wrestled with God. He knew not his identity. So God comes, he meets him, he dislocates his hip, he walks with a limp, right? He walks with the limp. God gives him a new name. Jacob means deceiver, trickster, and supplanter, heel grabber. Ezerol means God prevails. How many of you can say that I have come out of the wilderness and I have come out of the low places in my life knowing that God changed my name? You, listen, listen, you are not identified by what your biological parents, friends, or what the television tells you. You have to know without a shadow of a doubt that I am going to walk in what this Bible tells me that I am. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender not the borrower, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So when somebody looks at you and says you're just a failure, you're just a mistake, you're just a, God never sees you by your mistakes. He sees you for not what you've done wrong, but how beautiful you are to him. He's not counting your sins against you, friend, and a righteous man falls nine times, but he gets back up. Whatever you've been through, the storm, come on, the storm was not sent from God to punish you. Come on, the storm came to help build some stuff on the inside of you. So that way when you get there and you come out on the other side of that wilderness, you know that it had to be God and God alone. It had to be God and God alone. Come on, there's something about the nature of God that loves that. Come on, when I'm in my office, before I take this pulpit, I say, God, I know the type of person that I was. And as I stand here today and preach this gospel to your people, I know. And sometimes, man, let's just be honest, we don't feel like we belong. I guarantee you that if I asked you right now, I guarantee you that if I asked you, how many of you in this room feel accepted? You actually feel accepted. I bet, not, not, I, I bet there will be a slim percentage. You wouldn't raise your hand. Why? Because religion has taught you, i got to measure up. i got to measure up. I have to perform to get acceptance from my Father. And if I don't, I, listen, when you come out on the other side of the wilderness, God will not allow you to say, you came out of the other side of the wilderness because you prayed enough. You came out of the wilderness because you knew enough Bible verses. You came out of the wilderness because you just, you just loved everybody and you were a good old boy. Hot diggity dog. That's not, that's not it. The only thing that you'll be able to say, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 7 and 8, that's what he says. He says this, if there was any holiness in me, if there was any value in me, it came when there was no value in me, but God saw value in me. Oh, that's good this morning. When you didn't have a bit of holiness on the inside of you, man, when you were lost, bound, distracted, broken, lonely, bound, Right? addicted, weighted down, when you were there, I still fumbled through all of that stuff and I breathe with my love that's passionately pursuing you. Oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. There's no light you... Come on, what's the, what's, the, what's the words? There's no wall you won't tear down. Come on, coming after me. That's what God chose to do to me, friend. And I believe that He chose to do it to you too. He shuffled through and he worked through all the mess and said, I know that's how you feel. Nothing breaks my heart more, man, and nothing takes me to the place of brokenness more, more than when God begins to tell me, I love you. I know, I know, I love you. Why? Why did God choose to immediately affirm his son when he comes baptized out of the water? Because he was wanting to paint a picture to you and I, man. Because when God says, I've given you the spirit of full acceptance, what's the first thing that you and I do? I'm guilty. I'm nasty. I just screwed up. How can can you, holy, righteous, and marvelous God, still love little old me? After 24 hours ago, I just did that. We have not received the spirit of religious duty, but our souls cry out, Abba, Father. We belong listen if we were buried with Christ we were also resurrected in him and what us Pentecostals and Charismatics have done is this we have placed so much emphasis on impartation and the man of God laying hands on you but we have chosen to fully bypass this reality of imputation that God is not only upon us but he is in us and what we and what listen what we have to do is realize that when God came in you and I when we were born again and saved I don't even like the word saved I really prefer to use the word born again again, because literally old things passed away and behold, now God, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation, right? So, when God, when, when God enters us, when, when God enters into you and I, He doesn't just say, hey, there's hope. Hey, there's joy. Hey, there's peace. Now go and try to do a good job to take care of joy, peace, and hope. The centrality of Jesus is revival. It's revival. It's not necessarily just for One ministry to just blow up and do well. Listen, God is not interested in building big ministries. He's interested in building big people. That's what he's interested in. A river that's flowing deep, that's flowing wide. Because deep is calling out to deep. And the Spirit and the Bride say constantly, they say, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet. God is a jealous God, Exodus 34 14 and Deuteronomy chapter 4. Come on, He goes to war over anything that comes to hinder you and I. He's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. When He sees you, He doesn't see, well, that's just Manny, and He's operating in a lot of guilt. He says, That's my son, and guilt just happens to be at unwelcome intruder that he's functioning in right now it's just not who he is he's just simply not functioning how he's supposed to function, amen thoughts of failure will creep in when we don't know, when we don't know who we are which leads to guilt and shame, that's the reason why we need the wilderness, the wilderness causes us to be re-identified, so when we get re-identified, we become unveiled, because all of creation is standing on tiptoe, the cosmos the universe, literally, all of the, all of the universe is standing on tiptoe waiting for you and I to come forth I want to ask you today friend what are you waiting for this life is but a vanish God a thousand years to the Lord is, a, is, is one come on he knows no time he's all of he's in all of eternity right now and you're gonna blink an eye and your sons and your daughters and your children are going to be grown up when all of creation and your sons your biological sons and daughters and your spiritual sons and daughters are those that are in your sphere of influence is constantly looking at you saying come on I just need to be unveiled. Will you just give me permission so that I can run? That's what creation is longing for, friend. That's what they need. That's what the world needs. It needs the unveiling of the sons of God. We have received the spirit of full acceptance. Can you give me some more of this mic before we leave right here before I, so I don't blow my throat out? Oh, man. Has this helped anybody this morning? Okay. How did I get to where I am today? Because when there was no value in me, He gave me the spirit of full acceptance. If there was any holiness in me, it started when He accepted me. And there was no holiness in me or value. Oh man, Psalm 16 verse 3. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom all my delight. He delights in you this morning. He delights in you this morning. He delights in you this morning. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. The Lord gives Daniel a vision. And this is what it says right here. This is what it says. It says this. That all of the kingdom, dominion, and power belongs to the saints of the Most High King. Everything that you need is within arm's reach. Faith is the currency of heaven. What is the ultimate sin? Unbelief. Because faith without works is dead. I want you to walk out of that door this morning knowing, friend, that you belong. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. And your family, your workplace, your school, or wherever else that you may be is longing with all of creation saying, I desperately need you. Come on. I desperately need you to just... Come on. I just need you to come forth. Stop walking around like a slave. Because when you were a slave, friend, when you were a slave, you didn't have an option. Ho! You did not have an option. the listen... Sin was in the driver's seat, and you were the slave, and you were held captive to it. But I believe that I've got some redeemed peoples in here that I'm looking at this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, because David said, I'll become even more undignified than this. And I'm going to dance, and I'm going to dance until my clothes fall off. When it's good, I'm going to dance. When it's bad, I'm going to dance. Because I know I am a son of the King. David found his identity in the backside of the desert. That's why we see him dancing around until his clothes fall off, fell off. Because he knew that joker was a wild man. And your identity might not not be dancing until your clothes fall off. It might not be that. But whatever it is, man, I just want to just commission you by the authority of Jesus Christ to go and be who God created you to be. Go. Go. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to perform. God accepts you just how you are. Listen, the reason why you see that picture that pastor showed us this morning, man, the reason why you see that, the reason why you see that is because this is what Amanda and I have been talking about and Abby and I. We've been saying, you know what? We're going to gather in this living room and if God doesn't come, we're not going to speak. If God doesn't come, we're not going to sing. We're going to do exactly what Holy Spirit tells us to do. That is called authenticity. Because what the, what the performance mentality says, that when I, come, when I flip on my Instagram, and I see all my good-looking preacher buddies that are preaching, and they're, man, they're doing some right stuff. And some of them have even been handed senior leadership positions. And there's little old me in Sparks, Georgia. So I have the, I have the choice to make. I have to look at that, and I have to say, well, what about me? Am I just down here in Sparks? No. I have to know that God's taking care of everything. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. My destiny is written down. He's taking care of it all this morning, man. Be encouraged this morning. Do you hear me? Look at me this morning. Be encouraged this morning. The battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's. You don't have to fight. Do you know how you fight your battles? Praise and thanksgiving. When you get down on yourself, friend, you go into that bedroom and you shut the door. And if you don't say, but thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you this morning that I'm alive, that I've got a family. And because I'm alive and because you're with me and you're fighting for me, I have a destiny. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to not your purpose, his purpose. He doesn't just have one plan for you, friend. He has multiple plans for you, and if you've skint your knee before you came in here this morning, just get back up and keep going. Authenticity, listen to me, I'm done. Authenticity is the avenue that God uses for breakthrough. Authenticity, hear me, God's been dealing with me about this, man, I'm telling you. Authenticity is the pathway to the supernatural being unveiled in your life what moves the heart of God man what moves the heart of God more than anything is when you look up at Him and you do what Hannah told you to do this morning you just begin to sing to the Lord out of your own song I love all the songs that we have to sing, and we're going to keep on singing them. But nothing moves the heart of God when you talk to Him like David said, oh, and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I know that you are holy and that you are other. Although I don't understand the purpose of your plan, I choose to trust you, Jesus. I choose to trust you. God loves And takes full delight and pleasure when we come to him. Because unless you come as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. We have to constantly come day by day, not by night as little children. Just saying, dad, I need you. Come on, I know that you know God is holy and righteous, but do you know Him as dad? This stretches me, and I know it kind of messes with you. But listen, I I want to know God as holy too, but I don't want to just know Him as holy, man. I want to know Him as the loving Father that my Bible tells me He is. When I read the Song of Solomon, it doesn't tell me that He's sitting up in heaven as a statue with a hammer waiting to hit me on the top of the head. It tells me that His love and His mercy goes on and on forever. Come on, be captivated by his fiery eyes that are burning like fire. Be fully engulfed and developed and saturated and fully drenched in the love of God. 1 John, God is love. He doesn't just love us, He literally, friend, He literally is love. He literally is love. So we need the wilderness. The wilderness is a good place. It's, not a, it's a good place. It's not a bad place. When we go into the wilderness, God tells us who we are. Then we come out. We are functioning in authenticity. We know that we belong. Galatians 4. We have full access. Listen to me. When I read this, it changed my life. We have full access to everything that our Father has. Everything that He has for Him. You and I have full access to it. We get to have it we get to have it you have received the spirit of full acceptance performance and never measuring up get swallowed come on when one becomes rooted in the spiritual reality that you are acceptance you are accepted in Jesus name in Jesus name come on if if you will let's just I don't know let's just sing something sing something about the father's goodness come on Matt, if you want to, even you can come and sing no longer. So I just want to go our way rejoicing this morning. Thank you, Lord. I just, I want to release some things quickly. Mahala, prophetically, this is what i been stirring in me. Mahala, where are you at? Raise your hand, baby, so I can see you. Mahala, listen, there's an Allison Edwards thing about you. There's an Allison Edwards thing about you, man. And when you worship, God is really pleased with it. He sees it, and when you worship your God, when no one is looking, He is smiling and singing songs of deliverance over you. Fully accepted, worthy, not a failure. Beautiful in my sight. How could you fail? How could you lose this battle? How could you lose it when you've already been accepted? You're a winner, you're not a mistake. You're a a winner, man. You're a winner and you're an overcomer you comfort. I believe, Mahala, that there are some people on the earth that actually comfort the heart of God. And I want to tell you this morning, you're a comforter. You're one of those. Just like the lady broke the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus. Come on. And just like the lady washed the feet of Jesus with her hair. When you do that, when you do that, this is what the Father says. All of you others, come on, that are busy trying to measure up and perform, I see Mahala I see Mahala, and when she gives me worship, it'll be written down for all of eternity, and your story is going to be told for the rest of your life to the glory of God. Can you believe that? Put your hands together for that. One more thing. One more thing. Ms. Kayla Kapan, I felt like the Lord said that there's a blacksmith anointing that's being released over your life. In Isaiah chapter 54, the scripture clearly talks about the blacksmiths and how they go and they form the weapon they form the weaponry. And I believe that there's some intercession that you're doing in the private place that you may not be seeing in the natural. But just as pastor's been teaching us about the wilderness, I believe that he's making crooked paths straight for those around you. And when you pray, the Lord hears it. I believe that you're peering into the third realm of heaven and the kabod, the glory of the Lord is gonna surround your home. Even when you lay down in your bed at night, there's gonna be dreams and visions. When you sit wherever you sit in that living room, when you and Larry begin to talk about the Lord, there's this glory cloud that's just resting on over you where the goodness of God is going to be constantly just given to you I see the supernatural I see the supernatural being fully untethered and the blacksmith anointing a prayer warrior I believe like Hannah you are going to cry out to your God and there's going to be birthing come on there's things that are on the inside of you that you're going to birth that you don't even know it yet I declare over you in Jesus mighty name that the latter shall be greater than the former I declare to you that the battle is not yours but it belongs to the Lord I thank you that you have not seen anything yet. He's still writing the story. The flower is not bloomed, and the blacksmith anointing rest upon your life. In Jesus' mighty name, there are weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not mighty, but they are not, not carnal, but they are mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, the violent, come on, the sons of God, they take the kingdom by violent because you, Kayla, have sought first the kingdom of God, and all that is, all that comes with the kingdom of God is going to be given to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen come on right now come on right now let's just lift our hands to him come on we've sang to him and now he wants to love on you we've sang to him come on let's just get in some sort of posture of thanksgiving and worship to the Lord we've, we've, we've praised to him and we've sang to him and when, and when we sing things like God I've never met anyone like you he looks at you and says yeah but I've never met anyone like you so let's just tell him thank you for that righteous come on let's not be in a rush let's take th- just three or four minutes Matt's going to sing over us come on turn everything up Holy Spirit I belong to you thank you Jesus righteous Savior I belong I belong you Never leaving, never forsaking us Lamb of God Thoughts inside Holy Spirit You're inside me You're my reality. You are good, Lord Faithful and true Lion of Judah, Lamb of God. Jesus. Fully accepted. Come on. Come on, there He is. Take us up, Matt. Come on. Just begin to lift your voices to Him. There's a wave of goodness. Release, Lord. The baptism of love. Tsunamis rivers of living water Jesus yes pools in the wilderness rivers from the rock pools in the wilderness streams in the desert waters, 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 rivers out of our bellies will flow rivers out of our bellies will flow rivers John G. Lake said the greatest gift that any man can have is spiritual hunger. We want a hunger for you, Lord. Not because we're striving to get your acceptance, but because we simply want more of you, Daddy. We want more of you, God. More of you, Jesus. Hey! You're inside me. Oh, show. Reality. Become real to us, Yahweh. I to you. Yay, yay! The joy of the Lord. <laughs> oh, the joy of the Lord. I to you. The joy of the Lord. You never fall off your throne, God. Jesus. Me. One more time. You're inside me. Yes. One of the things that the Lord has been doing in the place with him, man, I can't get away from it from the beginning of this year. The reason why the Lord is restoring family is because he really wants you to know who you are. He really, really cares about you knowing who you are. That's the reason why I said Wednesday night that I believe family is the wineskin. Honor is the gate that we will pass through. Honoring, honoring, honoring. But family is the wineskin, and it's what the Lord is doing. And I believe that the reason why I can't stop laughing and I can't stop crying when I come to Jesus is because He's trying to just release the fact that I'm singing songs of deliverance over you, my son. I'm laughing. What you think is hard is not hard. What you think is so just difficult, it's not difficult for me. I can snap a finger, blink an eye, or wave a feather, and it's done. It's over with. The battle is the Lord's. Father, I pray for an impartation and a release of joy. Come on, lift your hands one more time and I'm turning this over. Father, I release joy for mourning. Father, I declare that we are taking off the spirit of heaviness. And we are trading it for joy. I thank you, Lord, that things are not getting worse. They are getting better. I thank you, Lord, that we're going to get drunk on hope. I thank you, Lord, that I'm looking at a bunch of people that believe in each other. But, Lord, how will they know that we are your disciples? Because you love each other. I thank you, Lord, for a baptism of love being released over your people right now. How will they know that we belong to you, Lord? It'll be because we love each other. When I look at this room, I look at a bunch of people that believe in one another. I believe in you and you believe in me. And from the bottom of my heart, I say to you, thank you for believing in me. Thank you. Thank you, Apostle. Thank you, Cornerstone. Even when I didn't believe in myself, there's people in here that chose to believe in me. If your earthly father knows how to give you good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father bestow good gifts over his sons and over his daughters? The joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.